Computer, initialize Holosuite. Good evening and welcome to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry. And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 2, Episode 11, Rivals. Before we continue, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Twitter, and Facebook as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. That's right, and you should find us and follow us because, as I say every week, we have a lot of great fun on uh, the Twitter Trek-verse, I guess is the best way to think about it, (laughs) and um, do try to keep it very uh, spoiler-light and all-people-friendly, and it's basically just Trek stuff, so don't worry about politics or any of that stuff. We don't try our best not to touch it, okay? So, So just enjoy the obscure Trek references made throughout the week before another episode sounds good but before we get started and diving into this week's episode david how are you doing i'm good just got done last weekend from coming back to visit family uh unfortunately my flight with american was delayed 24 hours which was utterly ridiculous i got a text i had to leave early in the morning i had to be at the airport by about uh, four in order to get a flight that was leaving sometime after six in the morning. Man. But like twelve hours beforehand, you know, they give you the message saying, "Oh, you got you can you can you know register for your flight. You can uh, log uh, you can book or you can log into your flight." Uh, but then they sent me a text message saying, "Your flight has been del- uh, canceled. We'll update you." And an hour later, they said, "Yeah, we put you on the exact same flight the next day." <laughs> I was like, "What?" I spent an hour and a half on the phone trying to talk to someone like hey like i mean thankfully i don't have to i didn't have to be there exactly when the original flight was going so like i had like an appointment like a wedding to go to it was just visiting family but 24 hours i mean that's pretty significant and their answer was basically that that's just how it is suck it up so that was unpleasant and then when i got to my destination finally the next day i had a connecting flight and my bag my luggage didn't make the connecting flight so I had to go back to the airport later in the day to get my bag, which had come in on a second flight. So it was a little bit of a hassle. Thankfully, the flights back weren't much of a problem. But yeah, American dropped the ball. So, oh well. You know, it's funny because um, a family friend was here in town this weekend. And um, she came down um, last Sunday and stayed. And she was supposed to fly out um, Friday. And then um, her flight got canceled and it was the same thing she had to be at the airport like at three or four o'clock in the morning stayed and waited and only for them to finally tell her an hour before her flight was supposed to depart that the flight had been canceled she then spent the whole weekend trying to reschedule and it was like trying to find like the the airline itself had like no more flights so she was trying to find other flights with other airlines and by the time she found anything she was paying almost triple what she had initially oh. paid to to fly out, and what her and oh. what her uh, ticket back was supposed to be. So, right, the round flight was cheaper yeah, than the one way. Yeah, and Man. so and it was just like she had to do it because 
got to get back to work, got your, you know, your life yeah. and everything else, you know? And so we were talking and I remember being like, I almost feel like I should just rent a car and drive back. I feel like it would be cheaper. And you know, <laughs> she lives, she lives in Kentucky. So, you know, I was trying to do the math and I was like, you're almost right. But I think you're forgetting about gas prices. And we all yeah. just, that was when it kind of has to go. Oh, yeah. Cause I mean, renting a car, yes, would have been cheaper if you were just renting a car. But paying right. for the gas to get from Austin, Texas, back to where she lives in Kentucky would have been astronomical. So, yeah, um, exactly. especially right now. So I was like, man, if only this could happen to you about 12 years ago when gas was like 189. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what's funny about that is you, know, you mentioned that. So the reason I stayed on the phone for an hour and a half, and by the way, they didn't have an option where like you hang up the phone, but you leave your number. And when they're ready mm-hmm. to talk to you, they call you back. None of that. I listened to that elevator music for an hour and a half. Anyway, I talked to the lady and I was like, well, hey, if you guys need to put me on another airline to get me to my destination on time, like I've had that happen before. I was at the airport once. And they canceled the flight right as we were supposed to board it. And so they spent, you know, a lot of time with the whole plane having to figure out where you were going. So I made this one detour up to Chicago to make this flight that one time. So I was like, hey, if you guys need to do that, like, just let me know. And she's like, uh, basically, the, her answer was that because we're getting you on a flight within 24 hours, that's just the solution you have to accept. Mm-hmm. And it was weird the way she said it. Like, I asked her to repeat herself twice. And, like, her terminology was very confusing. Like, obviously, intentionally so. Um, so, yeah, if I have a choice next time, not flying with American. But other than that, great, great time with family. Well, How about you? Anything new with you? Um, not really. We're just kind of holding steady here. I'm, I'm, and I'm glad for it. I'm glad things have kind of de-escalated a bit. Um, right. trying to really just make it through April with as little upset as possible. I did sign right. up for this six-week challenge at the gym. Um, and it's for. I hate to admit it. It it was. <laughs> it's for older middle-aged guys so they said you know but it was like <laughs> but the age range was seriously for the signups was from 35 to 55 and i was like is right. that like and i'm and i'm 36 now middle so age. i'm officially yeah. in the group and i was like wait a minute that's considered middle age now and so <laughs> it was like this whole other thing in my head of realizing that uh, i've i've completely cleared into another milestone. right another yeah. age demographic you know and yeah. um <laughs> and and now I will say I hope that people don't listen to this and think, be like, man, he just sounds so vain. He's always talking about working out and his age and everything. Else. <laughs> I really don't feel like I am. I'm just kind of like remarking on the fact that there's just right. it's suddenly been thrown in my face a lot that I'm older, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like trying to trying my best to take it in stride, but man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if I hear one more person, like I'll just be talking and, you know, just about anything and suddenly someone will stop and be like, oh, man, how old are you? Or they'll say the other, oh, I forgot that you're so much older than I am. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like, what are you, what right. are you telling me this for? You know, you know, so. it's really funny you're saying all that because this episode has an O'Brien moment yeah, that his age it, is commented on. Yes, so we'll have to get to that. Yes, we will be. And, and <laughs> yes. 
And, you know, I watched this episode again in preparation for this episode, and I have right. to admit, I identified a lot with O'Brien here. And, yes, uh, yeah. It, and uh, who, who makes the quote, who says it, but oh, Bashir. Bashir's the one who uh, makes the comment. Yes. We'll, we'll have to get, we'll, get to we'll, that. We, we will get there. Um, so, um, actually, that's pretty much a, a good segue. You know, let's uh, – Well, actually, go ahead. before we continue, I thought we could ask you two quick questions okay. about two different shows. Okay. First off, you and I have already talked about this, but you want to give – uh, our audience, your quick recap of Halo okay. in the first three episodes. And I and I will promise to make this as brief as I possibly can. Um, right. As I've said before, I like to give every new show that comes out that piques my interest in any way, uh, you, get, you get three episodes is what I say. You get three. Right. So hook me, or at least, even if it's not like I'm in, 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 uh, totally in love with your show, at least give me enough to want to keep coming back after that third episode. So, after watching the first one, uh, you all may recall, I was not impressed, and I was even to the point where I was like, I'm not sure I even want to continue watching this episode, or watching the show, you know. Well, uh, again, I stick to it, you got to give me, I give you three, so since that time, there have been uh, two more episodes, Um, I got to watch them both this time back to back, rather than having to like wait a week. Right. And so I was hoping that would kind of help me out a bit, because now I could kind of, you know, keep up with the continuity and everything else but suffice it to say it did not these episodes also failed to impress there is so much deviation from what is known of halo um that i just don't understand at this point it's not even it's not really halo anymore um if you are a person who played the games who knew the storyline who read the books you are definitely not enjoying this show um if they are trying to tell some kind of offshoot of halo of the halo story that we know um maybe that could work but if this is supposed to be the story of the master chief which is how they're presenting it that we are the that well, we aren't, but this guy is the master chief, and this is his as he's making his way toward the first Halo ring, right? Because it kind of has right. that prequel status here with the way they're showing the officers and stuff. Um, then this doesn't work at all. Right. Um, that's just for the storyline. Yeah, and it really is. Yeah. It really is disappointing. It's really disappointing. Yeah. Um, they do a lot to. Um, like some of the special effects are really good. I think that the the filming that they've done for it is actually really nice, but they just don't know the material that they're working with, or they've just decided they're not going to use it at all. And so when you're right. waiting for those kind of big moments that you knew that were a part of the story, they are not there. So if you're looking for yeah. any of that, it's not there. They've introduced yeah. a whole series of characters who have never, ever, as far as I can find, have ever been referenced in anything that was in the Halo storyline, um, they've introduced what could be the Flood. I'm not really sure what those things were. That wasn't really explained, right. but the way they moved around, it was like Flood-esque, I guess. But that's way too early. We, you know, Especially at this point in the whole mythos of the Master Chief, with this being his kind of up and coming, the, the Flood was way off. That's way into the future. And for them to right. already be shown here... Uh, not it was a, that was a critical miss. Another critical gotcha. miss. Um, gotcha. I've now seen we've gone from playing the games where you never saw the Master Chief to now we've seen his face to now we've seen all of him naked, 
And I mean, it's just like it's like the world's worst overshare. I just, yeah. I never had a question as to what his face was, let alone his whole body. And now I've seen him. And right. then that was another glaring error. Because again, if you played the games, if you know the story, there's a whole thing about he's he's been physiologically and physically altered. You know, there's been massive amounts of surgeries and augmentations and injections. And he's supposed to be kind of, you know, a, a monster underneath that suit. He's eight right. feet tall to wear the uh, Molinier arm, armor, armor. And, yeah. and all that stuff. And he's and he's definitely not that. There are no scars. There are no, there's nothing about him that says grotesque. You know, he's supposed right. to take that stuff off and you're just kind of, almost Frankenstein looking with the stitches and whatever else. None of that. Right. So, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, he's having these flashbacks about the childhood and, and the whole, how they got the kids for this Martin program. Pretty dark stuff. If you read the, <laughs> read the story and from what they've shown so far, none of that is included. So again, a lot of really cool things that they could have used to enhance this show, enhance this story. Right. And they have completely diverge from it cortana yeah. how cortana is um is formed how she gets her connection to the master chief all of that has been completely changed um it just it's just not good it's yeah. it's just not good and i don't right. think i'm going to be watching this show anymore i think i am right. officially done three episodes that was it and that's it. So yeah. now if somebody else wants to keep watching it and, and you know, a couple weeks from now, a month from now, when the season's done, if you tell me that it's picked up and it's changed or whatever, and maybe you can convince me to come back into it, maybe. But for right now, that's it. I will not be finishing the season. I will not be watching that show anymore. I'm done with the Halo live action. Gotcha. Yeah, you and I talked about it a little bit uh, last couple of days, and yeah, you were telling me it was a bummer. So, uh, Second yeah, question. I haven't watched it myself, but yeah, second question was, um, my roommate has been watching Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda, oh. and I was wondering if you had any opinions or thoughts on that oh. show, because it came out in the 2000s, yeah. my understanding is, so, so post our current shows. So, there was a time when I <laughs> when I loved Andromeda. I loved the premise of the show, which um, I, I'll tell you really quick. Um, the premise is that you have this, uh, basically... Starship captain who, um, on the brink of, of peace for his prosperous people, he gets stuck in a, uh, black hole in the accretion discipline black hole time slows. And when he's finally able to escape, it's been to him, even though it was like the blink of an eye, it's actually been 300 years. And that once, glorious empire civilization he was a part of has fallen apart and he has now taken it upon himself to be the one man leading the crusade to reunite what's called the systems commonwealth and so he's using his powerful seemingly ancient ship but is still way more powerful than everything that's come after it in the past 300 years ship to reunite all of the various colonies and whatever else that were part of the commonwealth and and reestablish this golden age Gotcha. Um, For quickly, I just want to say that it sounds like Discovery. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, so I mean, there's plot. yeah, very very similar. That's a good point. I huh. mean, um, not a, not so much a black hole, but not 300 years, but 900, but essentially the same thing. Yes, this right. this crew is kind of the embodiment of the best of Starfleet. Now they've been flung into this dystopian future, and they're trying to reestablish a federation. Yeah, very similar gotcha. notes here. A lot of right. very similar notes. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. But. To that end, just to say about Andromeda, Andromeda had 
a really great premise. They had some very promising actors. And the storyline from like the first two seasons is actually pretty solid. But um, grudges between actors developed. Um, Certain actors got a really big head and decided they wanted to use this um, show to... I don't know, and kind of inflate their own ego. And then they had, there were some other kind of like supposedly crazed religious things that they were doing that were, they were trying to use the show also for a vehicle for. And I mean, I don't know how true all of that was, but that was kind of like the rumor going around. And then there was this main competition between two lead actors and the show really started to suffer in the final right. seasons. And that's essentially what I feel like ruin that show because he because you do definitely see like one actor finally departs the show the other one becomes even bigger and if that's even possible he was already a starring he had a starring role on the show so for him to get even bigger after that was odd right and then um yeah it was almost like they were trying to retell and dress up this kind of messiah complex story he's not just the the last captain or whatever he's actually a part of this ancient race of godlike beings or whatever it was it was a lot and they didn't explain it very well and then the show kind of i guess they lost their focus and a lot of things started to become very jokey tongue-in-cheek and i think they started to lose money too because production value went down especially in the last season and things were just jumping all over the place they didn't explain a whole lot of stuff and then a lot of really great characters that they had built up in the first three seasons they just they dropped them they just were disappeared out of the story and we never found out what happened to them so it was just like gotcha for a lot of promise that the show had, I feel like they squandered a lot of it. And um, gotcha. what some people don't know about Ron, Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda was that show was actually the first show he pitched before Star Trek. It was turned right. but it was turned down. Um, That's so, actually what I had been reading when I yeah. saw the show, and I was like, I need to ask Perry about that. Yes. That's kind of what I saw. So Andromeda yeah. was supposed to be first, and then yeah. Star Trek was a was a. Uh, kind of a fever dream at that point had not really been fully realized and then when Andromeda was turned down he went to work hardcore on Star Trek and you know changed, now we changed have history Star Trek. and yeah. then because of Star Trek though we also got some other shows from Gene Roddenberry which also kind of followed the same premise had a great start but then man did they fall off I'm thinking of um, a show called Earth Final Conflict that was in the early 90s um, and right. it was about the first time that aliens make um, contact, contact with humans and uh, again it was like they kind of show up and solve all the world's problems, but there seems to be some kind of ulterior motive behind what they're doing. And right. um, we never really get a concrete answer as to what that is. And a lot of the characters who helped to build that kind of mystery, um, again, were disappeared. They just, something happened to them and they were never seen on the show again, or their roles were greatly reduced. Um just a, a lot of dropped potential there. And it was weird. Right. I love the show because it kind of had that X-Files uh, Monster feel. of the Week feel to it for an okay. early 90s show. You know, everybody's walking around in suits and got the over overly large earpieces <laughs> and the thick sunglasses. You know, the whole, all that stuff. Plus, you had the, the nice sci-fi element and the new 
aliens and the way they looked and all that kind of stuff. And it just, a lot of things were cool, but they never explained everything. And then I think that, tie it together. Right. Yeah. And then the show just kind of, you know, towards the, the last season is kind of brought into this whole, we need to be more action-y and we need to be more, you know, big explosions and less story. And that's why it ends the way that it does. There's no real resolution. It kind of just trails off. So, um, yeah, I don't know if we were just kind of reaching our saturation point then, because there were a lot of sci-fi shows that were out that all kind of had the same look. You know, Earth Final Conflict, X-Files. There was a show called Millennium. Um, All these shows kind of had that similar feel to them, um, especially initially when the episodes always start. So it's always amazing to me that the X-Files lasted as long as it did, considering how that it, that played out but yeah they were all kind of in that same vein and you know um thankfully for gene roddenberry we he we had a lot of great staying power with um star trek for a very long time um, right but yeah you know in another universe somewhere star trek <laughs> never really happened and andromeda is the show that started it all wrong yeah know. so gotcha well, that was yeah. a longer intro than normal, but yeah. we're here to talk about Star Trek. Well, and we, and in, a, in a way, we are. We're talking about the creative bent of, of yeah. Gene and when I asked you the questions, to be clear, I I'm the one who put it yeah. on that. Those those. But that's what you know. That's the another bit of this show too is you know talking about greater Trek lore and Gene Roddenberry's successes and failures here, and you know, and yeah. also a part of this is the fact that you know a lot of the Star Trek shows that came during this time period and and the ones that were that he specifically wrote and greenlit and so forth, eventually he did start to lose a bit of his control over. And you had people like Michael Piller and Rick Berman who were stepping in and they were leading, um, you know, the, like the ending, the, those final seasons of Next Generation, pretty much all of Deep Space Nine and beginning the launch of and the conceptualization of Voyager. So, you know, um, a lot of this stuff that we, we are, I mean, we'll always credit Roddenberry, but he was often right. off doing other projects, like again, Earth's Final Conflict, uh, Andromeda. He had other shows that he was working on as well. He wasn't totally devoted just to just to Trek, and um, right. yeah, we. I mean, that's that's smart too. Other people doing this, yeah. Stuff. So right. So now, though, we can talk about Rivals. And David, do you want to give us a quick recap of the episode? Sure. Alrighty, guys. So again, we're going to keep it quick and light. So um, at the beginning of the episode, we have a gentleman talking with a older lady, and she is describing the fact that she has some money saved up to put into a business venture that she's going to use to basically live out her retirement. And the man she's talking with uh, seems very interested, and we can tell that, oh, he's probably trying to do something here. He seems like he might be a con man. He says, "Oh, I could help you with your with your advent- with this with this investment." And Odo shows up and s- grabs him by the shoulder and drags him off and says, "You're being sued by someone else that you've um, swindled, so you know, you're going to go into this uh this cell for the night." So this man, he's in the cell overnight and he wakes up in the morning and his the other guy in the cell is snoring loudly, and he wakes him up and says, stop snoring, and the man says, ah, I have this terrible story of losing all of my uh, possessions because of uh, bad investments and such, and he pulls out this device, which glows when he presses it, and it seems to glow, sometimes it, like, glows brightly, and then times it doesn't, 
and it's, it's a strange device. And he says that uh, when he's asked, you know, or, did you lose all your investments to some bad luck? And the man says, not exactly. Uh, and presses it one last time, and it turns bright, and then this alien dies. And so our mystery con man grabs the device and looks at it and becomes intrigued with it. And he starts carrying it around. And once he le he he's allowed to leave the cell because Odo comes to him and says, uh, the people who were going to press charges against you have decided to drop their their pursuit of this allegation. So he goes to Quark's, and Quark sizes him up and says, I can tell you're a con man and you have no money. But he's intrigued by this device that our mystery man has picked up. And by the way, I should give him his name. Um, it's Mazur. Mazur is the, the character we're talking about. Um, Mazur and Quark um, bargain over this device. Uh, Quark is intrigued by the possibility of turning it into some sort of game, which is what Mazur is suggesting you could do with it. But it's clear that Quark is, is more interested in it than he wants to, uh, to really admit, and Mazur catches on to that. And so Mazur decides, after approaching another woman on the promenade who uh, is feeling kind of down, you know, he kind of swoon. He, he he makes a romantic move toward her, and he uses her space on the promenade, which is right across from Quark's, to open his own bedding uh, place, where he uses uh, this this little device that he had. He's uh, had it replicated into larger devices, and people can come gamble with those devices and he takes Quark's brother Rom um, as his second in, in command by promising him more of a shares in the profits than Quark does. Meanwhile O'Brien has built a racquetball court which is like a futuristic racquetball court definitely much more interesting than your typical racquetball court and he finds Bashir in there and Bashir tells him that when he was in you know, medical school, he and his team won the racquetball tournament amongst everyone, not just on the medical team, but like he was the best that ever played. And O'Brien doesn't like that. He, he thinks he can take Bashir, but Bashir spanks him pretty bad. <laughs> Beats yeah. him pretty bad. Uh, O'Brien goes home and complains to his wife, uh, Keiko, about that. And uh, Bashir, as we said earlier, uh, goes to Dax and says, man, O'Brien, I think he was about to fall over with a heart attack. I, I think he's, you know, in bad health. I, how old is he? And Dax is like, he's not a day over 38. And Bashir so, seems surprised. <laughs> so I want to I pause here. I feel like it's very important. Very important to remember a couple of things. One, yes, there, we're not really sure how old O'Brien is. She thinks he couldn't be over over 38. So let's assume that, that for all intents and purposes, Dax is correct. That, um, O'Brien is 38 years old. Um, Bashir, in this case, is only 29. So <laughs> the difference between the two of them in age is not that different. But we're right. definitely noticing some uh, severe physical uh, differences between the two men. <laughs> but but yes. go on. I do want to say that as soon as I heard he was not over 38, I was like, oh, I thought the actor playing him was at least 40 at this time. So You know what? That's what a good say? point. I, we might want to go in and check that out because I'm not really sure exactly how old um, 
the actor who plays O'Brien Colmini. I don't know how old he was during right. this, but um, <laughs> yeah, I I don't I think that he was pretty close to that age. He might have been he might have been forty. I don't think that he was that old, right. but you know, um, we can always check and see. But again. 38 to 29, not that big of a deal. And yeah, yet, Bashir, and it'll come for you soon enough. Yes, it will. <laughs> yes, it will. But go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So um, Bashir is trying to get out of these racquetball games. He feels like O'Brien is pushing himself too hard. Bashir keeps, uh, I'm sorry, O'Brien keeps telling him we're going to keep having rematches. Well, Quark at this time is really upset because uh, Mazur, his bar and, and gambling area is very successful. It's drawn all of the business away from Quark's. So Quark comes up with the idea when O'Brien comes to complain to him about the situation with him and Bashir. He uses that. He, he, he decides he's going to use the Bashir-O'Brien uh, racquetball grudge match that they have going as a betting opportunity so he can draw all the patrons back over. He doesn't tell Bashir and O'Brien this, of course. He just invites them to his bar, and oh, he's already announcing that they're going to have a game, and that the don they're going to donate fifty percent of the winnings uh, to the local um, children's shelter to buy blankets, so they can't pull out because you know the monks are there and they're ready to get the winnings, and so they might as well commit. In the meantime, however, this is this story goes over the course of several days. There have been a lot of strange things happening. Um, people are having accidents, you know, they're tripping and having minor injuries. Uh, Dax found an, an, uh, some code in the, in the station that she was looking for, but then it disappears. Uh, um, everyone else is, is trying to do little things and they have trouble finding, uh, finding things. So there's just small little, little things going on that intimate that there's something strange happening. It's like there's a lot of bad luck on the station. But then over in the bar area for our Mazur fellow, a lot of good luck is happening, it would seem. During the Bashir-O'Brien racquetball match, for some reason, uh, O'Brien, who had been having lots of trouble earlier, was suddenly doing very well. The ball always comes to him for some reason. No matter how he bounces it, it always comes to him. And so Bashir can't is having trouble, and they realize something's going on. Um, Dax and Cisco uh, realize that the neutrinos on a on a molecular level, which were supposed to be spinning fifty percent clockwise, fifty percent counterclockwise, about eighty percent of them are spinning. I think it's clockwise, uh, which is definitely abnormal. Um, and so as they follow the trail of where these uh, 100, where the neutrinos spinning all the same way are sourced from, it's clear that they're coming from Mazur's uh, bar. And so they go to Mazur's bar, they destroy the uh, little devices, um, and that returns all of the strange good luck and bad luck to normal. Mazur is rearrested um, by Odo because that first couple still do want to prosecute him now. And the woman that at the beginning of the episode, he was trying to pull, you know, take her money. Turns out she was actually scheming against him. She had actually, in this episode, late, missed a point. You know, at one point he had went to her and promised to give her some money to help make her uh, endeavor successful because she promised 10% return, or a, a, a hundred, was it? A 10 times return. That's what it was. And uh, so he had given her his money. So it turns out the con man got conned. 
and uh, things return to normal for our crew. Did I miss anything there? Nope, that's essentially it. Yep. Um, and again, if there were any points that were missed, you can always go and watch the episode. It is still available on Netflix. It is now the only Trek show that is still on Netflix. <laughs> and as we've talked uh, talked about and kept you guys up to date on, um, it looks like that will be that way at least until um, January 2023. Um, other than that, you can watch all Trek, old and new, on Paramount+. Plus. So if you don't have a membership, get one now, enjoy the shows, right. and watch it. Now, to that point, I will say, because I like to keep you updated on what's going on, I have been hearing that there are a lot of glitches with watching some of the older Trek shows on Paramount+. Plus. There seems to be some kind of formatting error, and also some of the shows seems to, like when you type in the search bar for them, for whatever reason, they don't show up that way. But if you find another Trek show, then underneath that, it's like, oh, since you like this one, maybe you'll like these others, and then the show that you were looking for will pop up there. No one right. seems to know why that's happening. I have not personally experienced this. Every time that I've tried to access any Trek show, it's been there. I can find it. It's it's no big deal. Um, but that's just me. Other people have said they've had the other issue. All that to say, just be patient with it. They're still working kind of the bugs out of what that whole streaming platform is going to be. But either way, it's pretty soon going to be the only place you can get Star Trek in any kind. Yeah. So yeah. you're just going to have to suck it up for a minute. And let them work out the bugs. And <laughs> there you go. Right. So go watch it there. And then come back. Watch it. Come back. Watch Join it. us. <laughs> Talk to us on Twitter about what you thought. Was our analysis complete enough for you? Did we miss any right. particular fun things or not? Um, right. But anyway, what did you think of this episode, David? Um, I thought overall it was fine. Um, it's actually interesting. Um Mazer actually gets a lot of the plot in this episode. He's almost our main character, effectively. Um, other than Quark, Quark is um, kind of our our other main character. The Bashir O'Brien racquetball little um, thing they have going is our is our B plot until it's used to help explain the A plot, effectively. Um, so it's it's a fun episode, it's a good episode, but it's also a more chill episode. Like, what happens yeah. in this episode doesn't have major ramifications for other things. It's not like they're being invaded by an alien species. Right. There's no... This is not like a major plot point going on. Right. But it's a fun one, and uh, I do feel like I, I knew it was happening pretty early on. Like, oh, this guy who has this device which seems to have something to do with luck... And suddenly luck is being manipulated on the station and things are not in sync like they normally would be. Yes. Um, so it, it, it was pretty easy to figure out what was going on. No real big reveal, no big twist. Um, but the fact that we have uh, Chris um, Sar Sarandon as Mazer, as soon as I saw him, I was like, yes, the Princess Bride. Yes. If we had Wallace Shawn as the Grand Nagus in past episodes... It's great to see this character, I'm sorry, this actor who was also from The Princess Bride Humperdinck. show up. Humperdinck. Yes. But it's actually funny as I was looking up details about the fact that, you know, he was also in The Princess Bride. He and Wallace Shawn have no scenes together in the movie <laughs> The Princess Bride, even though his character is supposedly the one who hires Sazini. Uh, um, they don't actually interact in any way. So. 
So for those of you who also aren't the aware, senior, sorry, this is also going to be a part of our 90s cultural corner. We were going to yes. we were talking about the movie The Princess Bride, as David has always already mentioned. This movie came out in 1987, but was seen as a theatrical flop. Um, apparently, no one really knew what to do with this movie when it first came out. So it was often um, billed poorly, um, promoted poorly. And so, yeah, not the success that they initially had hoped for, but then throughout much of the 90s and well into today it became a cult classic it is a it is a, a go-to movie seen as a movie that has everything for everyone um there's comedy there's romance it's kind of tug-in-cheek pokes fun at itself while also being um very uh clever and sly in yeah. a lot of places so if you have not seen the princess bride at this point in your life, no matter what rock have you been hiding? Exactly. That's the question. (laughs) If you don't know at least one quote from the princess bride, you, you are an anomaly unto yourself. I assure you. So, um, go watch that movie. It's, it is a lot of fun. And, um, (laughs) you know, I, I just, I'm trying to think of something that would be more iconic from that time period. And right now I'm, I'm struggling. I mean, you've got, you know, Inigo Montoya, you know, you killed my father. Prepare to die. Prepare to die. Yes. So so many great lines. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Yes. So there's just a uh, lot of great stuff in this movie, and and also a lot of famous faces which you may recognize once you go back and yes. watch it. And as we've said, yeah. Mr. Sarandon here, um, former husband of Susan Sarandon, um, is our takeaway from The Princess Bride to here. He is a member of a race called the Elorians, a listener who the only he's the he was the first other Elorian we ever saw. Um, of course, the original Elorian is Guinan from Next Generation, the beloved bartender. So in the Star Trek, you know, I guess pantheon there, uh, Mardis is the second um, Elorian that we ever see. We do see another one later on, but we'll get to that when that happens. Um, okay. But yeah, so... We don't know a whole lot about Elorians. A lot of what we got came from Guinan, of course. And, you know, over time, there's just been a lot of mythos about Elorians built up there. But like Odo says, they are a race of listeners. When he first corners uh, Mardis there and escorts him away from the bar, that's one of the first things he says. And no, madam, you were talking. He was listening. Um, yes. So it kind of basically what we're what they aim at here is that the Elorians seem to have this innate ability to get people talking and they just, you know, you have something about them makes them makes you want to tell them everything about you, whatever it is you're doing. It doesn't matter. You just, you just can't stop it, which if you think about it, I mean, it seems pretty benign uh, from the times that we've seen it in action. But if you really think about it, it's kind of frightening, you know, and this particular Elorian is obviously not as um, well-meaning as Guinan. And he is definitely <laughs> trying to find different ways to get rich quick and to scheme over on people. And Wait a minute. He's from the same race as Guinan? Yes. Really? That's, that was, yeah. He is an Elorian, just like she is. What? Yes. But she's like hundreds of years old, so he's also hundreds of years so, old. So, yeah, so that's the other thing, too. We don't really know how old, well, Mardis is or Guinan. You know, that's the whole point of their of their species. In fact, there have been a couple of different stories throughout Trek that have talked about certain Elorians. And, right. um, you know, 
they all, whenever they're encountered by humans, they already seem to be several centuries old when we finally encounter them. So there's just really no telling. Guinan has mentioned on a couple of different occasions that, you know, when her, because the whole story, the tragic story of the Elorians is that they were a very prosperous, um, highly advanced culture that was taken over by the Borg. And there were several of them, several million were utterly destroyed. I'm not talking um, assimilation or anything that. They were just killed. They were obliterated. Then there was another group of them that were assimilated and then some that just, you know, they tried to form a resistance. That didn't work and they kind of just wandered the galaxy going wherever they could to, you know, to survive and Guinan talks about how that happened, you know, centuries before she was born. So right. there's really just, and and then of course the Borg continued to pursue Elorians. It wasn't just like it was right. a one and done deal. They constantly pursued them. We know that Guinan had another run in with the Borg, you know, almost 150 years before she joined the Enterprise crew. We also know that Guinan was on Earth during the 19th century. And Guinan, there was a reference to either it was Guinan's uncle or somebody like that who gave birth, um, who had a child when he was 700 years old. You know, so there's just no real telling of their age. Um, they just, they're just there, man. As far as we can right. tell, they're not immortal, but they live for a very, very long time. So, yeah. um, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't make that connection until you said it just now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if Guinan's known for being a great Listener. person to talk with, yes, uh, yeah, but I would say it's more than just listening. Yeah. The fact that like she can hold a great conversation that's the real point. Um, whereas Mazik, or is it Mazik? Did I say it wrong? Um, yeah. like his, he's just he's not, I mean, he can hold a great conversation, but he's not like imparting any sort of wisdom, wisdom right. or 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 like encouraging you to think about the situation differently. No, he's just he's scheming. He's a con. Yeah, man. He, yeah. Exactly. He's just a so. So I find that a little bit. I, I guess I would just say that for me, that feels unfortunately a little bit like the common problem of stereotyping various races. Like well, this alien race is stereotypically this, but whatever. I mean, it makes for an interesting connection with Guinan in this case. Well, so I always took it as the the common trait with Elorians is that. Um, they have this ability to get you talking. But then depending on the type of person the Elorian is, some of them will be more on the side of trying to help you. And, right. you know, they kind of like Guinan took on this kind of mentor role for a lot of people. Right. Helps them sort through their problems. But then you have people like uh, Mazis here, who dis- Mazur, who decides he's going to right. uh, scheme. He's going to use that information to enhance his own personal wealth and and security and so forth. There's the other Elorian who uses his abilities to, well, kill a lot of people. So, you know, there's there's different types of personalities that go along with this. But again, they all the common trait is that whomever it is they're dealing with, the people want to tell them things they want to. They they want to impart this stuff to them. And yeah, their just use of it is different. I guess what I'm getting at is I feel like it takes away from the uniqueness of Guinan. Yeah. If the idea is, is that she's just one of many of the same thing, as opposed to she herself is skilled in listening, and that's what makes her a great person to talk to and a great character. Um, so I think it just kind of it kind of waters down her character a bit right. to, to do that. But, and I can see that, but I would also say, yeah. too, that there's also a, a – you have to also take in – 
into consideration life experience. And right. obviously we know that Guinan also had a lot of dealings with the Q. And to be able to maintain mm. any kind yeah. of common ground with the Q, there must be something else about her and the overall experiences that she's had that makes her still special in comparison to the other ones that we see. Right. And that's how I've always kind of taken that. I was like, they... Just because they're all long-lived, just because they all have this ability to get people talking does not mean their experiences have made them the same people. And that's pretty right. evident in their overall personalities. And also, you just have to take into consideration as, as a species that has traversed the galaxy and is as long-lived as they are, there's no telling the kind of things that they have encountered and how that's changed them and marked them in very peculiar and special ways. And that is another reason why Guinan kind of stands out. There's even right. a um, there are a couple of books that deal with Guinan and her abilities and and things like that. And there's there's a, a very heady, uh, very interesting one about the infamous planet killer from the original series and how Guinan was influenced or influenced it. You know, so um, huh. we could talk okay. about that another time. But I'm just saying again, it marks upon the fact that Guinan is definitely special and different. And even from other Elorians. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, um, I do love the, the very end of the episode that the woman who at the beginning of the episode he was seemingly trying to take advantage of was actually playing him. Uh, the player got played, and I mean, it's a perfect scheme. You know, if the idea of a con man is to win your trust by, you know, oh, I'll make a small investment. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do something here for you. And that's the exact moment when they do you the con man get conned is is hilarious uh it's too bad that she got caught almost because it's like yeah. you know she could have got away with it but uh she went, went for quark and that's when odo got her is she's tried swindling quark because <laughs> as with all greedy people they just can't stop and, there's no yes they just can't turn down a potential deal a good school or right. whatever she was fine she already had that man's ten thousand Isix, I believe that they were yeah. called, you know, so and apparently that was a pretty tidy sum because he was like hard pressed to give it up and definitely wanted to see his return, you know. Right. Um, so I just equated it in my head as $10,000. He, he just gave her $10,000. Yeah. Right. And she did a great job of being like, oh, I had this mining thing figured out, but now they want me to sh do a study. Mm -hmm. And if I could just find someone to pay for the study, everything else would go fine. <laughs> she had a she had a great story. I great. mean, and the best con artists do. That's the whole the yeah. whole point. You know, it sounds so believable, and you know, right. just almost too good to be true. She's done pretty much all the legwork. She just needs this last ten thousand, and right. then you know we'll all be on easy street. Ten times ten thousand was her promise of repayment. Who as soon who as would she pass said that, that up? Right. Yeah, as soon as she said that, it's like, um, shouldn't someone be suspicious on that return on investment? Right. I mean, that is pretty nice. Ten times the original investment? I don't know about that. Well, you know, and that's always <laughs> one of the lenses of this show that I, I think about. Because I, I was just like, I feel like it's so obvious. Like, I'm watching it. I'm like, I would never fall for that. But we have to remember, too, that, like, you know, I guess in universe, there's a lot of naivete right and it's right. kind of everybody is just so used to taking everyone else at their word that right except for the ferengi everybody knows don't trust the ferengi but everybody else seems to get a collective pass to be as unscrupulous as they want and that's kind of what right. we see here with both um uh mazer and the lady he's talking to whose name is alcia 
So, um, right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so funny to watch that kind of the con gets conned, uh, thing happen here in Trek. It's probably the nicest con getting con I've ever seen, you know? Yeah. So, uh, well, what's, what's so great though, going back to the idea that, um, Mazur is a part of the L, what are they? The Elorian. Elorian is that, when she's talking at the end of the episode, she keeps saying, oh, I never shared this information with anybody. I never, not even my husband, I never told anyone my plans. So it really does lend the idea that he and his race are somehow able to get information out of people. But in this case, it turns out she was actually playing him. So I feel like, I think this episode did something unique. Is it basically used the racial stereotypes of the various alien species and then turned it on the audience by saying that this was not actually what was happening. Alyssa, Alice, Alcia, Alcia yeah. she, yeah, she was the one who was actually uh, pulling the strings here. Which, um, so, which also enhances the fact that there's obviously still something very special about Guinan. She's got this otherness to her <laughs> that right. this guy she clearly have, she would not have been pulled over by right. Al. Yeah, yeah, she would never. She would never have fallen in with Alcia like that at all. She probably. I mean, she probably have talked to her and and you know talked to her about maybe finding another way to persuade the government to do the study or whatever. But you know, I think she also would have been like, "There's no study." Like I can tell, (laughs) listening to you, that there is. There's no study here. You're lying. Guyan would have seen. Yeah, she would have seen through this. So right, which also just kind of down. You know, plays to the fact that uh, uh, Mazur here he has. He has totally deviated from the kind of general life path that all Elorians seem to be on. He is so interested in the get-rich-quick scheme that he's diminished himself. You know, he's, right. he's lost his otherness. And now right. he's just using kind of the basic ability there to scam and scheme other people and all that other kind of stuff. And he's just, he's not special. He's, right. he's not a good Elorian. So, yeah. Right. So... Now let's talk about the age rivalry between Bashir and <laughs> O'Brien because it's yes. definitely definitely drew my attention more oh, this yes. time watching the episode <laughs> than it ever has in any of the times that I've watched this episode. So, and I guess now because I am so so close in age to Miles O'Brien now, um, I feel it. I understand. <laughs> I, I've had several of those moments where, he, like, he was playing and he was talking about how, you know, Bashir was so vulnerable to his best moves. He was just a half step slow. He just couldn't quite yeah. get them there. Right. I know that feeling. I like it <laughs> resonated in my soul when he was saying it yeah. today. So, yeah. Oh yeah. man. Uh, yeah. As we've said, you know, I've talked a lot about getting back into the gym, working out, getting in shape, and I can't tell you how many times I've said to myself, oh, you know, you, you've done this for years. It's not going right. to be a problem. Just step back in there. Yeah, you'll you'll be a little stiff, a little sore, but you'll work it out, and you'll be back at it at no time. And resoundingly, <laughs> yes, life has said no to me over and over and over again. It is, it yeah. is definitely harder. You definitely notice, you know. Um, yeah. I may be able to do the same weight, but at the same number of reps, not yet, no. at least not in this. And I'm sore. I, I yeah. Everything aches, and it doesn't go away like it used to. You right. Know? It wasn't that really good, you know, workout pain. No, it was actually no. kind of a 
it felt kind of good on some level. No, it's that brutal, like, that oh, God, set, I want to nap. Right, it's that deep <laughs> set, you know, and then the next day you wake up and everything is so stiff. And then things that you didn't even know uh, you hurt are hurting, you know. like, yes. um, And that happened mm-hmm. to me uh, just this last week. I When I went to the gym on Wednesday, Thursday morning when I woke up, my back was <laughs> – on fire every little movement and like i was sitting funny you know i kind of had this little lean to me you know and my right. my daughter was like are you okay and like it was it was a whole thing and i was like trying to trying to tough it out but it hurt right. so yeah. much and i was like right i didn't even work out my back yesterday i did legs like i don't understand <laughs> this like why is this so bad and right. I've now taken to, you know, I do extra stretches and stuff now. So it's like in the morning, I got to get up and make sure I'm doing this whole stretch routine. I do it again before I actually go to the gym, do it again at night before going to bed. And it's the only yeah. thing that's kind of like gently worked it out. But now that's it's good. like, I can't just go to the gym and do a workout the way I used to, you know, this, right. you know it's definitely now there are stages have been yeah. added to what I can do. And it's right. like, yeah, I'm having to reevaluate and refocus on how I'm going to do this whole getting back into shape thing. Because just jumping back into heavyweights has been tough. And as much as I've tried right. to deny it and try to fight it, my body yeah. is like angrily informing me <laughs> that I am no longer 25. So, right. yes. Well, you know, it's funny to compare what you just talked about to O'Brien's situation because O'Brien, he created this racquetball court. Like, he's apparently been spending time. He's finished it. He's coming in for his first game. And who's there but Bashir? And he's already stretching. And he does all these weird stretches. He's like, yeah, this one person told me that this one type of stretch, like, makes your heart and hands work together. You know, he says some line. It's silly. He does a bunch of, like, weird moves. He looks like a moron. But the whole time he's describing the fact that he was like the best player back in school. And so you get a sense that actually o- that Bashir kind of knows what he's talking about. And O'Brien, like the last time we've seen O'Brien and Bashir actually together was during season one episode, The Storyteller, from my co- recollection, which is when Bashir was trying to tell O'Brien, like, you don't have to call me sir, you can call me Bashir. And uh, O'Brien, like, wasn't having it. He's like, I don't really like you. I don't want to spend time with you. I don't want to be friendly with you. And so, like, this episode, like, a full year later is, like, the follow-up to that episode where it's, like, O'Brien is, like, I don't like Bashir. He's all, all this nonsense about how he played so, he was so great. That must be nonsense. And then Bashir's like, oh, you like the old rules, huh? And, like, so, yeah, Bashir makes you the audience and o'brien like on edge like you're already kind of like yeah we want bashir to get some and then he kicks o'brien's butt and o'brien goes home and he throws his stuff down and he tells keiko like ah i'm so mad and she tells him like you're taking this way too seriously she even says to him she's like you need to you're you're out of shape and like and he's like all offended so he says he's out of shape she tells him she's like it's perfectly natural everybody naturally slows down that's what she she says she's not like molasses in winter yeah you know (laughs) and and you know he uh, he's making he says kind of the same stuff that i was saying just i'm out of shape that's all just gotta get my wind back i gotta get my feet you know like yeah yeah pumping himself back up and then you know you see him later on in the episode it's very quick but we do see that he's entered into his own little training program. We see him jogging through the promenade one day. Right. You know, he's trying to get that wind back, you know. And yes. um, and to speak to the whole 
developing of the court. Like he, he obviously wanted to play this game. He's the one who picked the space, designed the racquetball court, was getting it all perfect just so. And then, yes, finally, he's ready to go and play his first game. And who is sitting in there invading his privacy but yes. Bashir, of all people. Right. Sure, he probably would have been open to having an opponent. He even says that, yeah, he thought maybe there might be a couple of players somewhere on the station who would be interested. But he certainly wasn't expecting it on the inaugural day that he's going to go in there and kind of test things <laughs> yes. out. And so, yeah. I mean, I can understand him being upset with yes, Bashir exactly. in this moment because I'm like, right. he probably didn't tell anybody he was developing that. He was probably just doing yeah. it in an area of the station that no one was using. And then, oh, yeah. you know, the doctor. I can just imagine. Think of anything in your life where, like, you were planning on it. You wanted that thing. You like, you yeah. bought a car. I don't know. You you did something, and you were ready to go. Finally, take advantage of that thing. And who's taking the first spin on whatever? Like your car. Who's got the keys out already? Who's already enjoying themselves? Who's already mm-hmm. bragging about their past experience? That one dude who already pisses you off. Right. right. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh goodness. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. I, I totally, I totally felt for O'Brien here. I would have been like, because I, I, I remember watching it and just being like, you know what? If that had been me, I probably would have been like, respectfully, can you leave? Like, I, <laughs> I, I still got to work I the kinks out here. I need to, I need to test right. some things. Like, please, yeah. give me my time before you come yeah. in here and invade this space that I just painstakingly created. You know? Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, and then of course you've got Bashir, who's then jumping and wildly moving around and gesticulating and doing all this stuff and yes, looking that's like right. a weirdo. For everyone, <laughs> Perry just did the move with the fingers just now on screen. And so I, I, he just did it. Yeah. Hey, David, this is why we're not live. All right. So be quiet. This is, or this hey, is we've why talked we're not about on, going live. This is why we're not on YouTube yet, I should say. Not that we're not live, that we're not on YouTube yet. Um, yeah, right. Hey, but, you know, we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, he does all this stuff and he just, he looks ridiculous, but yes. you can't deny that the man Oh, and he's got has, the suit. Yeah, yes. he's got the suit. And O'Brien's just in like a t-shirt and some gym shorts. Yeah, like, you know, just he's old just casual. pants, you know, and a, and a shirt. And then here comes um, Bashir in something he clearly took from Jake's closet. And he's <laughs> wearing. Yeah. He, that's, I don't know. I've never seen Jake wear white before. Uh, that was that was definitely a Jake original. That was a Jake Cisco original. Those are definitely Cisco. the same PJ style. Yes. Yeah, and same and, same same store at the very least. Yes, yeah, same very vibrant, bright colored, shiny material that is sticking yeah. to you. I don't know where in the 24th century the desire to see grown men in onesies comes from, but I'm telling you right <laughs> here, right now, I'm fighting it tooth and nail. I will not. Um, well, it's it's funny you say that because, you know, Brian's in his T-shirt, and when he gets home the first time and is talking with Keiko, he pulls it off, and we get to see uh, O'Brien's um, dad O'Brien is, <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was hilarious. Um, and then it's also a great moment, too, later on when uh, he's going to go, you know, Fight with or go do the 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 con the go do the thing with Bashir for the for the betting yeah and um, she's like we're gonna re- we're gonna celebrate tonight no matter whether you win or lose and I'm like she's a great wife she's she's there to give him the the, the harsh you know reality of life yeah you're you're getting older but she's still there to support him she is. uh they kiss they even have like i believe the kiss like the actors um there are doing that's like i believe that they're a couple yeah they they're, they did a very good job gr- of, of selling they've it. grown on mm-hmm. me a lot since they went back in tng when they were getting married and i was like 
who are these two nut jobs? Like they haven't even had, they've never even shared the same meal together. Um, I think I talked about that early on. Like, you know, I thought they looked, didn't, didn't make sense to me, but by now they definitely really are a believable couple. Um, and it's great to see that. Um, on that same point though, while I'm thinking about it, while Keiko is talking with O'Brien, <laughs> uh, Quark goes to Bashir and tries to drug him because everyone That's has right. been betting on Bashir. Everybody's so betting on Bashir wins. to win, but if Bashir yes. wins, Quark loses all of his win. His, exactly. His, his he doesn't make it. Yeah, he doesn't win anything, and he has to pay the for the blankets himself. <laughs> so Bashir, being you know not the dummy that you know he might have been last season, he's learned a thing or two. He goes and he takes a little vial of the drink that Quark gives him and, and analyzes it. Because Quark's like, oh yeah, it was from the monks. They were telling us that you gotta down the whole thing in order to get the medicinal effects. And Bashir's like, drink it all in one go. Yeah, yeah. And Bashir's like, originally he's like, well, you know, actually, when because Quark is doing the whole um, reverse psychology thing, or he's like, oh, you probably don't believe in folk medicine. And Bashir's like, well, actually, folk medicine sometimes does have really useful effects. And so for a minute you think, oh, Bashir's going to drink it. No, he puts it in the machine, he tests it out, and he reads off all the ingredients, and then he gets down to the drug that would knock him out, basically. And uh, he gets Quark to admit that he was trying to rig the rig it. And then Quark still follows up. He's like, well, you know, why don't you go ahead and just throw it anyway? We're already talking about it. Why don't you just go ahead and throw it? And Bashir's like, this is on you, man. Like Bashir has grown on as a character in that sense. Like last yeah. season, he might have been. Yeah. Oh yeah, you not know those quite kids. So naive. This, he's not quite yeah. so naive. Yeah. This season, frontier. he's like, nah, Quark, nah, not at all. <laughs> so. Yeah. Which just goes to show. I mean, he might still be naive, but he still knows enough to not trust our resident Ferengi. So. Yes. You know, and if you think about it, a lot of uh, scenes between Bashir and uh, Quark tend to go this way. He's very leery and dismissive of Quark and he um, he makes fun of Quark a little bit a few times, you know. <laughs> um, but other than that, yeah, he doesn't really he he's not really into it the way that other people seem to be in embracing Quark and his fiendishness. Right. Um, except for Odo, of course, who just doesn't like Quark at all. So yeah. <laughs> For good reason. For good reason. But it was nice to see the two of them, Bashir and O'Brien, that is, when they were trying to play the game. And, you know, we see the first the first round, and obviously Bashir wins. And then we see, you know, the next time that they play, and Bashir intentionally fakes being bad, and O'Brien yes. calls him out on it. And then, of course, the eventual right. rematch set up by Quark, in which first it seemed like the game favored Bashir, but then the tides turned, and you know, yeah. O'Brien could do no wrong. And he, the ball yeah. came back to him every time. It was very interesting to watch them figure it out. And then, of course, the game, you know, they end the game. There's never a, we never see who's the true winner or loser in their world competition. So, yeah, I guess it's a nice way to end it. We're not trying to say that, you know, <clears throat> you're old and you have no value and that uh, the young guy's always going to beat you out. They respectfully. Right respectfully parted ways in order to serve this greater purpose of right. figuring out what the heck was going on. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. But yeah, this is definitely a great episode that has a lot of commentary about age, of course, and physical prowess right. and being comfortable with yourself at whatever level whatever that you're at. Yeah. Le physical level, age, whatever, and just remind yourself yeah. that 
no matter how great you once were or used to be, eventually right. there will come a time right. when you're just not going to be that anymore. You can find right. new ways to be successful and to right. do whatever it is you're trying to do, but to right. think that you're still going to be 38 and operating at the level of a 25-year-old is ridiculous. Right. So. Well, and also, too, like, if Bashir is the only other person that we saw this whole episode who ever expressed any interest in playing racquetball. And as we said just earlier, you know, O'Brien went to the racquetball court by himself at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. So if there's no one else on the station willing to play with O'Brien, it would be sad if he's, you know, is unwilling to play anymore because he's sad to keep losing to Bashir. Like, even if the two of them don't have the greatest relationship, this is actually a good place for them to bond and actually become friends and get to know each other better. And so when Bashir is trying to, like, fake it that he's not playing well today, mm-hmm. which when I first saw that first, like, moment where he, like, missed it, I was like, man, he's a bad, like, the 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 actor of Bashir, I'm like, man, he's not very, that's a really bad acting yeah. right there. He obviously faked it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, duh. Yeah, I thought <laughs> that's like, the same the thing. It's pl- the character who's faking it, not the actor who's faking it. Um, which, by the way, I should remind, I should say it, uh, that is Alexander Siddig playing Bashir. So, um, But yeah, so yeah, I just want to say, like, Bashir, like, sometimes, man, you just got to suck it up and just have a good time. Even if you're losing, you just suck it up. But I know that's, that's the whole point, is that Bashir is grading on people, and so O'Brien already has that animosity kind of with Bashir, and that's why they have that relationship yes. as it is. But trying, um, They're trying to establish, yeah. you know, that, I guess... I guess I should say Bashir is trying to establish a friendship. Maybe, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe he's feeling a little isolated, a little lonely. And I mean, you know, if you think about it from that way, from that perspective, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, right. There are, you know, he doesn't associate with any of the other officers, you know, like Cisco was certainly not inviting Bashir over for dinner the way he does, you know, Dax or somebody, right? True. And then, you know. And Dax has already turned him down as a multi- romantic partner. Multiple times. He's not going to be friends with Cork. He's not going to be friends with Odo. Um, he's left with very few options here. And yeah. he's got, and he's already got competition built in there too, because O'Brien is a family man. He's got his wife, his kid, and his yeah. job. And he's, He's already got stuff that he's focused on that makes him content in the life that he has. So him feeling a need to branch out isn't really there. So, again, this reaching in from Bashir probably feels intrusive. And then we see that here, especially with him being on the court that he just finished building and hasn't even had a chance to kind of play with (laughs) on his own yet. You know, and now this guy is invading that space and. Yeah, there's just a lot there that, you know, you can kind of see it from both sides. Like, yes, this guy is annoying, but at the same time, he's he's probably lonely. There's probably not other people he can really associate with right now. Because, again, this is still the very early days of the Federation being on this Bajoran station and and establishing a presence there. So probably not a lot of other officers he can just associate with that have even close to the same cultural background. That, right. that he comes from so yeah you know you can be like hey doctor read the room but you could also be like hey chief cut the man a break so <laughs> exactly either way it's exactly it works exactly it yes <laughs> yeah yeah I, I as i said at the beginning is when you asked me this was a fine episode no problems no issues with it it was also kind of uh it was kind of more of a day in the life of the station yeah. than anything else yeah yeah 
a great little episode to highlight that not everything is always doom and gloom. There's not always right. a situation that is of paramount importance they solve before countless millions die or the station blows up or any of that stuff. It is exactly. a, a day in the life is a pretty good way to consider it, cause especially since we don't see a lot of our main crew here, a lot of our officers. Kira yes. has maybe two scenes total, you know? Right. We see more about uh, Mazur and Quark and Alcia and the other Bourgeois woman that he was exactly. hanging out with. We see more right. of them than we see anybody else. This is definitely right. a a civilian life story. Yeah, you know? it's, it's more about how our characters interact with the other people on the station than ever any other episode I can really think yeah, of at the moment. that we've seen so, so far. Yeah. So, yeah, um... I know there are plenty of people out there who didn't really like this episode, probably for those exact same reasons. But I mean, right. I feel like that's kind of the point. We want to see our actors, our, our characters, I should say, right. in more than just those nail-biting doom and gloom moments. We want to know their personalities. Yeah. We want to know what they're like in their downtime. This is a perfect right. episode that gives us that for Bashir, for O'Brien, for Cork to a certain extent. Like seeing how you know he was worried about his business and turning things on their head. You know, and seeing how how clever he really is to do some of what right. he does, you know? Right. You know, so yeah, a lot of great stuff that you get here without it being that kind of like standardish um monster of the week episode yeah. type deal. So and actually as you say that I just want to say one quick thing. The the little device, the little the gambling luck device manipulating ball, device. Yeah. yeah. It reminded me very much like as soon as I saw it, it just reminded me of the idea of the ring from the Lord of the Rings. You know, the one ring like it, it kind of addicts you to. There's something about it that kind of addicts you to it. Like the alien who has it at the beginning of the episode, he treats it almost like a golem type character, almost like he's holding it closely, even though he's lost everything. He's still pressing it and finding out whether he's lucky or not. Um, so I don't know if they were inspired by that in any way, or if it's just that you know a lot of themes sometimes over overlap. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just want to mention that real quick before we finish up. So. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I can see that. I don't think that there was anything that was ever uh, specifically referenced that said that's where that idea came from, but it's entirely right. possible. It's yeah. absolutely uh, absolutely possible. So Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, and uh, when Dax and uh, Cisco shoot all of the ones in the, <laughs> in the in his in his bar area, it's like they what do they they say something to him and he's like, "Oh, I just generated them from the like he, he it, he can't even remember the original devices or something. And they just look at him and they roll their eyes and they just shoot them all and destroy the problem. I love I love it. Cisco <laughs> is so direct. If this had been Picard in that situation, Picard would have wanted to give the science team a chance to study them and see if there was a way they could yes. deactivate them. There probably would have been yes. some question as to whether or not these were sentient life form creature things <laughs> or whatever before they finally got around to safely deactivating them and transporting yes. them away from the station somewhere where uh. they can be enjoyed where they wouldn't hurt people yeah. anymore. That would be the TNG solution. Jordy, how, how long would it take for you to deactivate them? It'll take me about two hours. Uh, but I'll do it for you. <laughs> but of course, I'll do it for you in 38 minutes because let's face it, that's yeah. really all the time we've got. Um, <laughs> that that would have been it. Data would have tried to reprogram yeah. them in some way, and we would have had another version of gambling exocomps or some nonsense. Yeah. I don't know. But no. and, the, oh, and you mentioning Cisco just now remind me at the beginning of this episode 
Well, the first thing we see from Cisco is when Quark goes to him I was going to bring that up next. About the gambling. Bring that up next. <laughs> yes. He's yes. like, hey, I have exclusive gambling rights here on the station. And Cisco's like, you bribing Cardassians in the previous you know, occupation doesn't mean anything now. And he and what does Quark say? And so Quark's, he says like, something about- so Quark's like, no, you begged me to stay. And he's like, I, yes, didn't, stay. I was- didn't beg you. I blackmailed you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was so good. Uh, I forget at the moment what it was he used to blackmail him. He, what was it? it was- I know it was it was episode, because of Nog. Episode. Nog had been acting as an accomplice, a lookout for another alien who was robbing some of the shops on the on the promenade. They were caught right. by Odo and arrested. And right. um, uh, Quark was like, out. right? Quark was like, we're getting ready to leave. We're leaving because you know the the all the aliens and stuff were leaving the station. You know, right. and he was like, yeah, we're gonna leave. The boy, we're going home. He won't be a problem anymore. Any of that kind of stuff. And Cisco was like. We need someone to stay. We need someone to stand up and be a community leader. And Quark right. laughs. He's like, community leader? And he was like, <laughs> yeah. And he was like, well, um, this I see a boy who's getting ready to spend the best years of his life in prison. And, he's like, and I remember Cisco, he said, uh, I'm a father myself. His father must be worried sick about what's going to happen to his son. And he's like, think about it. And he leaves. And then Odo leans across the desk and he goes, and you know... I thought I wasn't gonna like him. <laughs> that was that was kind of our introduction of all those three characters. Yes. And so yeah. now here it is coming back for us a little, you know, wink and a nod here. He's like, Yeah, I blackmailed you. And and he yeah. says, and it's paid off for you quite well. So it's like right. it's not like you you haven't enjoyed the fruits of this blackmail either. So don't come to me uh, right. like like this has been anything other than yeah. yeah. So I just wanna say as we as we talk about this and the, again the relationship to Picard. You told me once upon a time that you liked Cisco more, and I, yeah. I said to you, is it like Superman? Picard is like Superman. He's the good guy, shining example, mm-hmm. can do no wrong. And Cisco is, is basically Batman. Yeah. He lives in that gray area. He's more interesting as a character because he does it in the gray area. Like, this episode was perfect because of that whole line oh, yeah. about, I didn't ask, I didn't beg you to stay here. I blackmailed, I blackmailed you. you. <laughs> right. And and it, Picard wouldn't have done that. Picard, would, yeah, it's such a Cisco moment. Yeah, Picard never would have done it. Even if it would have, it, you could put them in the exact same situation. The boys getting ready to go off to jail or whatever else. Picard would have just given them the kit and let them leave. They, yes. He would have talked yeah. to them about the greater moralities, Prime directive. Prime right? Directive. Greater moralities yeah. of stealing and theft and raise the boy better and all that. That Picard would have given, given a great speech about being a better father, a better role model for the kid. But ultimately, he would have let them go and they would have right. left, and we never would have had Quark on on here. Whereas Cisco was like, "No, I need something from you, and right. there, here's how I'm going to get it." So yeah. Um, right. Yeah, definitely two very different men, but you know what? It's not to say necessarily that one is better than the other. I just like that Cisco was way more direct in all of his dealings. He sees something that he wants, he figures out a way to get it or get it done. Even at the end when he's shooting the things, you know, it's like he wanted it it needed to end now. There was a build up. Excuse me, there was a build up. They did not know what was going to be happening next, and it needed to end right now. So he just took out his phaser. No concern if there's people in there or what the power output might be if they just start blowing things up in this place. Just start yeah. shooting and just fakes <laughs> and it, it explodes. It doesn't melt or anything like that. It's glass yeah. and it just shatters. And, and those, they don't even like walk around and like do it. No. In the, like they just stand there just, and boop, 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 stood there boop, and just boop. annihilated this man's whole way of life. Like, no, <laughs> that's what it was like. That's a, that was a legitimate business. Even Cisco yeah. acknowledges early on. He's like, I mean, that's. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to stop another 
person from opening a gambling shop on the promenade. So, okay, you yeah. recognize that's someone's business. That's their livelihood. Right. You just walked yeah. in there and destroyed everything. And then right. turned yeah. around and walked out. Like, that was it. And I was right. like, man, yeah. this guy, like, seriously, if if <laughs> if someone wanted to make a case for him being deranged, that could have been it. Because, I mean, he just <laughs> obliterates that whole shop. And he's like, yes. okay. And Dex is like, okay, everything's going back to normal. He's like, great. Holsters the phaser and, and walks. I'm like, yeah. You gonna compensate the man for destroying his no. deck? Not at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, some people tripped, and you have some computer glitches. Like, you just blow up his whole place. Yeah, that's hilarious. Absolutely destroyed it all. Yeah. So I mean, it was fantastic. <laughs> and I mean, it's just like, yeah. I guess there's no repercussions when potential danger of weirdly spinning neutrinos is <laughs> is at stake here. So yeah. So overall, <sighs> you would you would rate this episode as as good, not not the yeah. best, but a nice, solid. We're not dealing with life or death here. Episode. This is one of those episodes where I would say, like, if someone was doing a list of like episodes you have to watch to like understand Deep Space Nine, you could skip this one. This is a skippable episode, and like a in that sense, like we got to yeah. like, jump through the best episodes. But you'd be a fool to like if you were just watching casually, and you this is what came up. Yeah, watch it again. And if you like watching Star Trek, and this is not like Move Along Home, where you should um, burn it from your memory. <laughs> no, you need to watch and appreciate Move Along Home. Learn to appreciate Move Along Home. Learn to appreciate Move Along Home as a, like, this is how bad it could be, and therefore we know how much better things are. <laughs> Guys, I think we're going to do a special rewatch of Move Along Home, like, next month. And maybe it's gonna be like Clockwork Orange with me and my eyes pried open. We'll do a we'll do a, a, a live broadcast, live tweet or something of it, and you will have to re- listen to David talk about how much he hates it. While I'm like, nope, you should love it for this reason. I'll be gibberish, gibbering, <laughs> 10, 15 minutes in. So before we end, uh, I do want to update on a couple of other things. Like, um, you know, with new Trek being out there. So um, a while back, I said that Strange New Worlds is going to be starting uh, around like the end of March. Obviously, that was incorrect. Um, as of as of this day, um, when it's... Um, this episode yeah, is dropping on the, I believe, the 15th? Yes. So as so. of, yes, as of April 15th, um, it says that Strange New Worlds will be out in May, mid-May of 2023. That also should be coinciding with the end of Picard. Now, um, the the most recent two episodes of Picard have already dropped. The newest one will be out here um, in a couple of days from this recording. Any, well, actually, by the time this drops, it'll be out. It will have been out for one day. So um, we're trying to catch ourselves up here so that we can actually be live with a lot of these things. Um, <laughs> so that's what our whole game plan here is. But anyway, um, yeah, by the time Picard ends, uh, Strange New Worlds should be uh, releasing its first episode. There is still a lot of talk about the production of Star Trek Section 31. Um, but with... There's just so much that's going on with that show, apparently. I just don't think that that's going to be coming out anytime soon. Um, I would hmm. suspect that's probably going to be slated for probably 2023, maybe even 2024. So if you're excited about a Strange New World show, you might have a long wait before you see anything on that. Um, gotcha. There's also been talk of a new Star Trek movie with the cast from the Kelvin timeline, you know, Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Zoe Saldana, um, Car- uh, Carl Ur- Urban, and Simon Pegg. All okay, those guys. another one from them. Yes. Okay. 
there's there has been a lot of talk of a new movie with them. Uh, I think they had actually started filming, but then filming had stopped. Um, oh. They didn't really say why, but um, at least we know that there's something in the works. So gotcha. hopefully that comes out. Uh, that'll probably also be 2023 that we see those projects. So um, right. just keeping you abreast of things that are going on um, overall with Trek. As for us, as I said, we're trying to streamline and also move us into a direction of actually doing more live shows, more live broadcasts, and some more of that Trek After Dark that we got to do, Fire Caves <laughs> After Dark that we got to do um, yeah. for you all a little bit. So stick stick with us a little bit longer, and who knows, you might actually be able to watch us live stream on YouTube. So, <laughs> But other than that, I think we're done david did you have anything else you wanted to add no thanks again for listening guys i know it was a little bit longer for us to get into the episode today but um as you can tell we like to talk about a number of things outside of just star trek so yeah we like to you know be well-rounded nerds we don't just talk about trek we do (laughs) we do a lot of other stuff too um but in that case guys once again this has been the fire caves a star trek deep space nine podcast you can listen to us anywhere that you listen to podcasts i happen to do it on spotify and also follow us on twitter and facebook we post a lot of stuff there upcoming episodes and other various bits of information that you may find interesting Um, but until the next time take care of yourselves thanks guys